when we over-identify with our businesses, it's really scary because you have to worry all the time. Like, what if I lose this? Like, will people still like me if I don't have this money or whatever? Um, and, you know, knowing that, like, it's been really, it's helped me a lot in my life, given me a lot of confidence to know that, like, I'm not my business. And I actually don't feel embarrassment. I don't feel shame. Like, I don't feel like less of a person. Um, in fact, I feel even prouder and stronger because I'm like, I am not my revenue. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Steph Taylor. For years, I read all the books, downloaded all the freebies and did all the courses. But it wasn't until I started taking Imperfect Action that my business had its first million dollar year. Imperfect Action is about doing things before you're ready, prioritizing consistent action over perfect action, and moving forward, even when you're not sure you're doing it right. On this show, you can expect mindset advice, actionable marketing tips, and strategies to build a business that brings you more profit, more freedom, and even more joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co forward slash DBB or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome to Imperfect Action. This is episode 578. Today, I'm bringing back one of my favorite ever podcast guests and one of my favorite people in the online space in general, Tarzan K. She has been through a lot since our last podcast interview that we did back in May of this year. And today we're not sharing growth tips. We're not sharing how to get more subscribers or how to write emails that convert like we did in our last episode back in May. But instead, we're having a very raw and real conversation about juggling business and life and how Tarzan made that decision to scale back her business, why she had to let her team go, how that whole process felt. And really, I guess, separating our identity of, you know, this million dollar business owner, separating that and building a business that feels a lot better, even if it's not what we, um, what we're sold as the the successful big online business that we're supposed to aspire to. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. It was genuinely my favorite interview I have ever done. And it is such a fantastic conversation. I think we need to be talking about this stuff a lot more in the online space. So without further ado, let's jump into today's chat with Tarzan. Tarzan, welcome back. The second time in the space of a year that you're on this show. And I'm so excited because the conversation that we're going to have today is very different to last time where we talked about email marketing and the practical side of business. So I'm very, very excited to have you here again. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I had such a great experience on your podcast last time. And I feel like I just want to say this because I know you teach podcasting. Like I like your whole process was just really clean. And even your delivery of the questions, like I do a lot of podcast interviews and sometimes they go off on tangents and it's just like that whole interview was, it was really, it's really good to be in the hands of an experienced podcaster. So that was a, a good experience for me, you know? 
Oh, thank Here you. Here we are. I I'm appreciate back. that. Yeah. Uh, especially like as somebody who does a lot of solo episodes, I always get a little bit mm. self-conscious when I'm interviewing somebody who I know has been a lot of, on a lot of interview podcasts because it's like, uh, oh, I don't think my interviewing skills are that great. So it really does mean a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, now, the last yeah. time that you were on the show, it was back in May this year. And you were, I think you were like in the middle of the email stars launch and your business and your life looked very different to how it looks mm-hmm. right now. Would you be open to sharing how, you know, what life has looked like for you over the past six months between that launch and now? Okay. So I, I'm going to assume that at that time, I probably told the story of everything that led up to where I was at that point. So picking up that story. Um, we had a, like our biggest, and by biggest, I don't mean mo- most money making. We had our biggest launch that we had ever done. Like it was an affiliate launch and we had so much support. Like I had my team with me and my whole team were five people. Plus I had another team of five people that I, I had like outsourced the whole side of the affiliate promotion and. It was like such a big undertaking. We had something like 87 or 90 affiliates. And um, we, so we recruited hard and like, you know, we trained them. We gave them so much support. And um, we just put like everything we had into that promotion. And not only like did we do all the things we had planned, but we were really like iterating the whole time, like using our, using our skills, taking feedback, addressing objections. Like I, it was like by, by all measures, like the most grown up promotion I've ever done. I love that. Um, So I was really proud. Yeah. Yeah. It was really grown up and we took really good care of our customers. We took really good care of all the people in the promotion. We took care of our affiliates. Um, and also, and you know, it, it did okay. Like, the market for courses is hard right now. Like courses are not selling like they did two years ago. Like I felt like we had to work four times as hard for every single sale as we have in the past. Um, but we did all right. Like we, we didn't make our goal, but, um, we made money and, you know, we, we were like live to see another day, which was what we wanted. And, um, uh, but after that, we were all like exhausted. I was totally exhausted. So we kind of had to just take the summer and, and we'll also, we had to deliver on the program. Like I, I want to, like, I want to give my students as great an experience after they purchased than they had before. Um, so we just really spent the summer delivering on that program. And I think we did, you know, I think we did really well on the delivery. And then, but also, um, I was like, okay. And now what are we going to do next? Because we had, um, we were just, you know, like the days of doing one promotion that could pay our expenses for the whole year were over. And it actually used to be that way. Well, not quite that way, but it was like, we kind of had a goal that if we did three promotions a year, it, it would cover all of our expenses. Um, but that was no longer the case. And now we need to like be more on top of it, plan the next thing, plan the next thing. Like, like a real business, honestly, like most businesses function that way and have to think about cash flow month to month. But I'd just been in, in this model that's so super profitable that I could coast for many months after each launch. 
Yeah. So quick question. Was that, um, was that because your expenses went up or was it because the launch revenue went down that you couldn't um, rely on those? Okay. Yeah. Both those things. Expenses went up, launch revenue went down and, you know, like the, so the business was not as profitable as it had been in previous years. But in those previous years, I kept like taking on new employees and new expenses. And I also want to say because of, um, like, because I'm like going through a divorce and also like working through a lot of, um, uh, like I am in recovery from cults and coercive control. And that takes up an enormous amount of energy. Like there's a lot of all of that personal stuff, I want to acknowledge that I didn't make great spending decisions in my business. Like there were a number of things that I was just like throwing money at problems and then realizing like, oh, actually that was like not really a good choice. (laughs) So I I was, um, yeah, I definitely like burned through um, some capital unnecessarily just because I was like trying to make, you know, trying to like turn this thing around or trying just feeling like I had to do something. So, um, you know, it's now August of this year and we're like, okay, we have to do our next promotion to, um, you know, make the next month's revenue. Uh, We always have a few months in the bank, but, you know, to make sure we're not running out of money. And um, so I got on this call and like Sandra, she's my OBM. Like we had been had many, many months of calls of like what we were going to do for the future of the business. And I just like for the life of me, like I could not settle on one thing. Like I had so many different ideas. I wanted to do a low cost membership. I wanted to do we thought about having an agency model like we kicked around so many ideas. And then finally we said, okay, we're going to launch a small group mastermind. We'll take a really small number of people, like maybe 12 people, like 10 or $12,000, something like that, and um, have a really simple promo. <clears throat> and okay, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the small group program. And I got off that call and I realized like within minutes, like I do not have the capacity for leadership that such a program would require. Like even the energy, this, this was like in this moment, just for context. Also, there were several things like blowing up in my life, like a year long relationship ended. My like car broke down. I just found out I had to move, like all of these things going on in my life. So I was, um, I was like scared and like in a, in a place of like not feeling safe and not really knowing how I was going to just manage myself. And then I'm planning this promotion and I knew like, you know, when you do a promotion like that, like your energy, and I don't even mean that in a woo-woo way, like what you bring to the promotion is so important because when you're selling something like that, people are going to be working with you one-on-one. So they are like, do they, I'm like, I don't think people want to be around this version of me. I don't want to be around this version of me. Um, and even if I could somehow summon myself to do this promotion, that would be really unethical of me because I also knew that I wouldn't be able to show up, um, in that way for the, those people who, you know, for people who join a 10 or $12,000 program in early stages of their business, it's often a really big decision. Like they really need 
to be supported. They really need to feel good about their decision. They really need someone to be there for them. And I wasn't actually sure that I could, but I also knew that if we didn't do this promotion, um, that, you know, we were just gonna, we were just gonna burn through all of our capital. And, um, so I called a friend of mine and I actually, I just want to pause the story to acknowledge something. Um, I got an email from someone who had attended one of my workshops and she said, I really don't like the way you're talking about the way you let go of your team. It feels like you're using it for content. Yeah. And I actually, like, I actually received that feedback. Like, I I was like, yeah, I have, I have written one, at least one, because it was pointed out to me, at least one subject line that was like, kind of, um, just kind of clickbaity. And, like as this subscriber pointed out like those were people's livelihoods like they as you yourself said they loved their jobs they were happy with their jobs so i i do want to acknowledge that like in in business there's like this like it's always like the next turning of the wheel like trump like everything is content and that's something that i've actually just realized i'm not really sure how to um, how to manage that because I also really do want to talk about scaling back. I think it's a conversation that not a lot of people are having. So, um, as I like speak about realizing that I needed to let my employees go, I, I want to be careful, um, not to be callous because that was like a really hard, really hard decision. Like I was, you know, up until that very moment, I was ready to do anything to keep those people employed. Um, but I also realized in that moment that the expense to my own well-being was a, was huge. Like not only was I burning myself out and and um trying to, you know, show up in a certain way that I just was like really taxing for me, but I was also burning through all of my capital. And if I didn't do something about it, I was going to have nothing left, like no safety net. And, um, so I figured out in that moment that I needed to make a move. And until that moment, like I would, I almost like I had not even let myself have that thought that I could possibly let my employees go. Like my, you know, my, my, one of my friends had like suggested it to me and I was like, I was sort of like, la, 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 like, don't even talk about that. Um, but in the moment that it came to me, I was like, no, I, 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 I have to actually, um, save myself here. Like I, I have been, you know, I've been carrying this business, carrying all of these things, you know, carrying my, my house, my ex-husband's house, you know, uh, like all of these people's livelihood, like, and I actually need to save something for Tarzan, like, cause there's going to be nothing left for me if I keep going this way. Um, so I, I, um, like I've never, I have been so fortunate with my employees. Like my employees were like, they gave it their all. They were just awesome people. They showed up every day, gave it their all. Like they were, I've never had to fire anyone. I've never so much as had to have a meeting with someone to say like your performance needs to be better. 
So, um, you know, having to fire was something that I recognize now and I would not do again is I had developed like real, like my relationships with my employees were actually too intimate. Like it was, it was like we were friends. And so there was, I think, um, you know, there was, it just, when I, when I had to actually get in a room and let them go and there's all of these things you have to say, like, I, you know, like I had a, I, so the advice, professional advice I was given was like, have a script, say these X, Y, Z things, and also have a witness. Um, and I was like outside my body listening to these things. I was like, are you kidding me? These are like people who have, like, they know my children. I've had like dinners with them. We've spent like so much time together and I'm going to like get on a zoom call and read a script. Like, is this a joke? Um, but like, you know, so that was my mistake for having gotten myself to a point that that was like so weird. Like I am the boss. That is what bosses do. So I got on this call and I was like, you know, read the script and I, I was like, okay, this is the, the this is people's livelihoods. This is not about me. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to get emotional. Um, and you know, because I had kind of set a standard of doing those things that definitely for my employees felt pretty cold and hard and totally also, um, you know, like really caught them off guard. And I, I'm not sure if there's some way that I could have done that better. Um, you know, it was really surprising for them, but you know, I, I really was like in the fight to the bitter end and then I just couldn't do it anymore. And so, you know, there probably was a way to do that better. Like I, I'm certain that for some of my employees, it felt like a huge betrayal. Um, especially given that our brand values are so much about, um, you know, authenticity and integrity, like honesty. I've really kind of lived out loud with my business, like brought people on the journey with me. So, you know, I'm certain like that would have been really, really hard for them. Um, so that's, that's that story. And, um, got a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, if I'll, I'll just pass you the ball to see where you want to yeah. go with that. <laughs> well, I, firstly, I think one thing that really struck me as you were talking was it takes an incredible amount of self-awareness to realize I can't step into that. I, I don't have that energy to show up in that leadership role for that mm -hmm. high ticket mastermind or group or whatever that was going to look like. Like that takes so much self-awareness and I don't think enough people in the online space have that kind of self-awareness. So I do want to, I do want to highlight that because I think that's such an amazing quality. I think the first thing that comes to mind, um, the first question I have for you, I mean, we, we all in our businesses, we've all had times where we think, Oh, this is, this is too much. I just want to, I, I just want to throw the towel in. I want to get a job. Like I just can't do this mm. anymore. How did you know it was for real this time? Yeah, that's a good, uh, really good question. Um, because even though, like, even though I never actually entertained the possibility that I might make a change in my business, like I did have, you know, have like some fantasies of like, oh, what if I did something else? What if I just like gave this whole thing up? Like, you know, th those thoughts kind of swam through my head and I just totally chased them away. Um, 
I, you know, I can't even, I, I, I can't even say like maybe like rock bottom. Like, I think, um, there is something to that. Like I, like it wasn't just like business is frustrating and hard because it's always frustrating and hard. But I think it was really like those, the things in my life that it was like my life had just become so hard that it just, I just reached my limit one day. I reached my limit and realized that I had to make a change. But I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer because I know a lot of people struggle with that. And I'm grateful that I had Sandra, um, you know, because Sandra was Sandra. She's my OBM and she's been with me for seven years. And she all along was like fighting the fight with me, like whatever we got to do. What's the next thing? OK, that didn't work. OK, this thing works. What about, you know, so um, I do think like having like a sober second thought is really important. I've been really lucky to have her with me in my seven years of doing business. Um, but those decisions, like that is such a big decision. And in the end, the decision did come from me. Um, but, you know, that's really not a decision that should be made, like, um, should be made without really talking to someone and like examining all angles. Yeah, absolutely. If you think back, if you think back, like right almost to the start of your business, looking back now, are there, can you see signs or was there anything that, anything at the back of your mind that maybe you were trying to ignore that was like a, a sign that things weren't in alignment or that things weren't right? I know you mentioned like the, you were, you were throwing money at problems, but were there any other kinds of almost red flags or little orange flags that you didn't notice back then, but maybe now it's so obvious to you? You know, maybe in time I will figure that out. Um, I do think like a lot of my journey of the last, um, the last two, maybe it's even three years in my business has been like really deconstructing what this industry, how this industry works and, um, you know, how persuasion is harmful and the more I like, I'm still not sure. I'm still figuring out how to use persuasion in a way that is not harmful. And it, it for oftentimes, like, it's a lot more clear when I'm working with clients, like, oh, yeah, just like this is like you have three exclamation points and this is in red. Like, you could just tone that down a bit, like, just make it blue <laughs> and take away the exclamation points, like, problem solved. So it's really easy to see in other people's businesses. I think, I think probably when I look back on this a few years from now, what I will probably see is like Tarzan going through a thought, like carrying, you know, a, like a, a really heavy boulder of trauma on her back that she's trying to deal with. And she's also trying to um, show up as a leader and a business owner. And that's just too much to carry. Like, I think that will probably be the conclusion when I look back because, you know, I do like launching is hard right now, but, um, you know, people are still doing it. It's not like people are folding their businesses right, left and center because the industry's collapsing. Like the industry's not collapsing. Like there's still 
people buying. There are still people successfully selling. Like, um, I don't think I will look back on this as necessarily like a big business failure. Um, I think it will really just be like, like, if anything, I may look back and wish that I had let it go a little bit sooner because I, maybe I didn't need to push myself so hard. Maybe I didn't need to spread myself so thin. Um, but on the other hand, like I did need to see it through to the bitter end. Like I seem like just like in, like in my marriage before I left my marriage, like I had to know, like I did everything that I knew how to do to save my marriage and it just didn't work. And then I had to leave, but I was able to leave knowing like I tried all the things that I know how to do. And I think in that case, like with my business, I, I did need to do that. Like we did need to do that affiliate launch. Like um, we needed to like try some things that actually didn't really work and weren't really good. Uh, I just needed to try them all so that I could confidently be like, hey, I did. I literally did everything I know how to do. And some of it worked, some of it didn't. But I'm not I'm not just going to keep like I'm not going to keep going on in this way because at some point. Like, I just need to take a breath. Like, that's what I need right now. Like, I'm not leaving the industry. Like, I have I have two clients that I'm working with, and I'm really excited about these projects. Like, I have this one client who teaches parents how to talk to their kids about consent and boundaries, and we're working on a sales funnel for her. Like, that, like, I have, like, that, just watching her workshop, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so important. Wow. This is like giving me all of these, um, all of these like resources and like starting all these conversations with my boys. Like, this is so important. I really want this funnel to be successful. Like, I, I know that there is a place, um, in this industry, like for me and for me to be building sales funnels, for me to be possibly teaching people email marketing. Um, but I actually just really need to take a breath. Like, I need to have space to think about it, see where I want to go. And had I not done what I had done, I would have had to just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing until, you know, the the boulder like rolled back on top of me. And I think, I mean, I really hope, I hope you stay in the industry because you are one of those people I've been following for so long. You've been around for such a long time. And I honestly, I think your voice, even, you know, even back in the day before you started really picking apart what you were teaching and coming at it from a more almost like ethical angle, right? Even back in the day, you were still such a breath of fresh air in an industry that is mm. so saturated with, you know, just rubbish. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that but is like, true. Like, I, I want to talk a bit more like on a practical, from a practical standpoint, what has scaling it back all looked like? So you mentioned you've got two clients now. Um, do you still have your mm. course? Will you still be teaching that? Um, and then like in terms of mm-hmm. like operations, like what, what does that look like? Cause that scaling it back almost feels like more of an operational monster than scaling up a business. Oh my gosh. Yes. And again, like I'll probably just keep talking about her, but, um, I, I have Sandra and yeah. Sandra like Sandra and I, you know, we we had been meeting weekly to figure out our plan for the future. And 
once we made this big change, we started meeting weekly to figure out what we were doing to scale down. So like one of the first things we did was like review all of our software that we were using and like cancel like a million different different um, software subscriptions, um, you know, like review all our expenses. Do we need this? Do we not need this? We had to renegotiate certain things like my, um, you know, my bookkeepers on contract. I no longer need payroll and all of these things. So there were, you know, there were several things that needed to be renegotiated with contractors. And I also renegotiated my contract with Sandra because now we also had to look at, like, we also had to kind of sit down and decide what do I want to do going forward and what do I not want to do? And so, you know, things like customer service, uploading emails, making website edits, like all those things, like I, I definitely do not want to go back there. So, you know, we had to negotiate a new package so that her and her team could take care of that. So she's she's kind of in more of a virtual assistant role, like with her um, virtual assistant agency. Um, so she still does some like online business management tasks for sure. And she's still there for me to say like, Hey, I'm, I think I'm doing this thinking about this thing. What do you think? Um, so she still does a lot for me. Uh, but she also handled a lot of the, the scaling back activities. And, um, in terms of going forward, like I just like with that, like, I did, I felt really good taking on those two clients that I took on in the summer. And, um, I am really enjoying working with them. And I also notice sometimes, like, if I, I notice sometimes, like, I'm actually at capacity serving these clients. Like, I don't, like, I don't just do sessions with them. I watch their webinars. I like sift through their survey data and find copy for their sales pages and like, you know, I'm doing a lot between sessions. I'm not just like saying like, here, go do this thing in your business, which I love. I love being hands-on. And I also, um, because I'm like really surfing a big wave right now of hard things in my recovery, um, I often have days where I just like, I cannot work. Like I cannot do anything. I just need to put all my energy into like regulating I have to be like on the couch with a weighted blanket listening to an audiobook or like in the bathtub. And I, so I can be a bit, um, unpredictable in that way. So until I, until I have like more stability within myself, I will not take any more clients at that level. Like I have one wrapping up. So, um, I, I think I, I could handle two. Um, and, and also like, I would never at this stage, like I would on a sales call, I will say like, Hey, this is what I can offer you. Right. And it sometimes happens that I need to reschedule a session because I, I can't provide good service for you. And I need, I need you to be okay with that. Like, um, so being like, just like I didn't want to sell that $10,000 mastermind thing because I knew I couldn't be in leadership in that way. I really am very careful about what kind of work I take on, what I'm actually promising to potential clients. So I'm actually not sure right now what I will do with future clients, but I do have a plan for email stars. Um, so I have one, I have a program about copywriting and we just, um, 
we just put the sales page up so it's just available. People can buy it whenever. To be honest, I don't like, I know courses don't really sell that way, but it's there and it's available and I'll be able to write a sales email now and then. And that course is completely passive. Um, but for email stars, um, and just for comparison, like the highly scaled version, we would cost, cost $1,500. They get 12 weeks of live calls. There's a Facebook group and um, let's see what else. 12 weeks of live calls. There's a Facebook group. Oh, and then there's people like in, you know, there are multiple experts in the Facebook group answering questions and offering support. And we would get like, let's say on a, on a good year, 300 students on a bad year, a hundred students. So um, much bigger group and it's $1,500. And so coming up, my plan is that I'm going to sell it for $1,800. I'm going to take 20 people and every single one of those people is going to get a one-on-one call with me. They'll also be able to send me an email for review every single week. And um, we might have a Slack channel. Like I'm thinking about what I can offer that is like, I, I actually wanted to have more of like a 12 person program. But I know from experience that if 20 people sign up, it's going to feel like a 12 person program because, you know, yeah. that's how many people will appear in various places. So, um, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. I haven't like written it down yet. I'm just working with my coach and talking about it. But, um, you know, because I don't have all of these expenses to carry anymore, like I actually can afford to take a small group and offer like a really a more personal small group experience. And potentially could be just as profitable for me. So that to me is like really exciting. And it also sounds way more fun. Like I, I, I've loved working with clients. Like I like getting my hands in things and, um, I we'll see. Like, I don't know if people will buy that. I, I don't think it will be too difficult to sell 20 spots, but I actually don't know. And promotions wise, I haven't done this yet, but this is what I'm thinking. So. At the time of recording, it's November the 9th. What I'm thinking is that I'm going to open and enroll basically till the end of the year and then actually start the delivery in January. And I really like the idea of, of having like a really spacious enrollment period. If someone wants to talk to me, like I could have like a short call with them. Um, and just like really give people time to make that decision. Because, you know, we're like, we are in a recession, like in 20 summer, 2020, like everybody had their like stimulus checks. There's just like, it felt like there was just like money flying all over the place. Like this isn't a money flying all over the place time. And I also think it's really important to acknowledge like people are vulnerable right now. People are very vulnerable. Like for a lot of different reasons, they may be financially vulnerable, but even just like emotionally, spiritually, um, physically, like there's just a lot. I, I feel like if ever there were a time to be very careful about the pressure that we put on people to make decisions, it's right now. So we, you know, we've extended our, extended our launch deadlines, like with our summer promotion, we had a two week window which is not that big, but it's big compared to your standard like seven to eight day launch period. Um, and now I just want to give people more time. I want to give myself time. Um, and I don't know if it will work. I, I'm, but I can afford to experiment right now and yeah. figure out what will work. 
Yeah, it's it's tricky because I always like I've done longer cart opens in the past and at the end I've just been so I've just had nothing left to give because it's been like mm-hmm. this emotional roller coaster, right? When mm-hmm. you've got three days in a row and nobody's bought and it's like yeah. nobody wants this. And then mm-hmm. suddenly you've still got to find that energy to show up and sell it. And it's just it's yeah. exhausting. And I always I always say to my students, it's like this fine line of giving your audience long enough to make a decision without Mm -hmm. pressuring them, like to make a snap decision versus not exhausting yourself to the point where then you can't deliver. But I think having that nice like break, start delivering it. I think, I mean, oh my goodness, as like I signed up for email stars, I think it was in 2020. And I think there is so much value in that. I think it's underpriced as it is. Um, And I I love the idea (laughs) of that small, I love the idea of that small group. Like I think in the online space, there's just so much pressure to like, you know, scale, make it passive, remove yourself, hire coaches to teach the yeah. content. And like, you're just the CEO who doesn't really do any of that. But I like, I can totally relate. Like I've started working with clients, VIP clients again, and it's just so nice to be in the work. I think when you remove yourself from it so much, you actually forget that you're helping people, you're impacting people. Yeah. You don't see those results as much as you do. You don't see mm-hmm. the little aha moments like you do when you're in that community or having that call with that client. So I, yeah, I absolutely love that. And I'm excited. Like I'm actually excited for you, Tarzan. I think, I think you've got some cool things coming up in the future, but like, you know, like when you have that personal brand and you've spent so long building such a big personal brand around what you do, did you find that you had a little bit of an identity crisis at all? Like, did you have to navigate that while you were going through this process? Hmm. That's an interesting question. No, no, I didn't. I, I've, I actually have already been on that journey. Like I, you know, I made all of this money in the, you know, in my early years, I was like, oh my God, I have a million dollar business. And I definitely made that my identity. And then I had to, um, I actually had to figure out like, who am I? Because I didn't really find that very satisfying. Like it, and don't get me wrong. Like it's an enormous privilege to have, um, to be financially stable and it shouldn't be a privilege to be financially stable, but it is. And, um, I'm really grateful for that. And I also really early reached a threshold of like, oh, this is what it is. Like I have all this money. And I initially was like way over identified with the money that I was making. Like if you look at the pictures of me on my website right now, it should come down soon. So, um, we'll see, but you know, I'm wearing like glitter pants and I'm like, there's these early photo shoots where I'm like throwing money all over the place. Like, I was way over identified in my business and it actually wasn't until I started doing anti-racism work until someone in my community actually like called me in and said like, Hey lady, um, you got some problems here. And I started looking at that and that led to me like that led to, you know, that led to an exploration of of persuasion and how it's used and changing so many things in my business. Um, but I definitely had that identity crisis when I was like, Oh, okay. This thing that I've been doing is harmful and also doesn't work for people who don't like look and talk like me. Um, and 
And so I guess what I'm saying is I had that crisis like three years ago. <laughs> and it went on for a few years. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, it's almost like when you're starting out in business, it's like the only goals you can imagine are money goals. And it's like mm-hmm. that, that million dollar, it's like that, that, there's that, that goal that everybody tells you you should be achieving, you should be reaching for, aspiring mm. for. And when you hit that, then it's like, oh, what else is out there? And then it becomes more about oh, wait, what? what you can do with that money and like what that money enables you to create for yourself, for other people, for your clients your team, that kind of thing. And then it it becomes about so much more than the money. And I, yeah, I think that's a huge one. And it, like, it's so hard in the online space because so much of that messaging is million dollar business, seven figure business. And like, I still use that mm-hmm. in my messaging because it is a huge credibility marker, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but there is mm-hmm. so much more than just the money. Yeah. And I know like this is, um, This is really common with people who are successful, like at all levels. Like I heard this story. um, I heard this story. It was someone telling a story about another story. So I can't even trace the origin of it. But it was like about this soccer player who had this. um, He had this dream since he was a child of winning the World Cup for England. So people who know soccer, football, let's call it football. (laughs) Um, people who know football know who this person is. Anyway, this guy, he's a child. I'm going to win the world cup for England. His whole life, this is whole dream. And then he's like, I don't know, 21 or 22 years old. And, and sure enough, like he scores the winning goal and England wins the world cup. And he said in an interview, like the depression set in like it was like his foot had not even connected with the ball and he realized that he had like built his whole life around this one goal and that was actually not going to be where he would find meaning um and it, it, you know it's easy to say and i think for people that just want to make their seven figures they're like okay like let me figure this out for myself And that's fine. Like, I'm the same. I also had to, like, make my seven figures and realize, like, oh, this actually doesn't give me meaning. So maybe we have to get the thing out of the way. Um, But, you know, to summarize, I had my identity crisis. So, you know, by the time it got to a place where I let my employees go, I already was really detached from, like, I wasn't... um, I wasn't identifying anymore with my success. And even now, like, when people say... To me, I meet someone new and they're like, oh, yeah, what do you do for work? I'm like, well, you know, those people on the Internet that are like, make seven figures tomorrow. <laughs> like I was one of those. That was me. That was me. And now I'm like trying to figure out like <laughs> what to do next because <laughs> actually it worked, but it worked. But I also realized like it was predatory and I had to do I had to do it differently. Oh, that's brilliant. And I love it's that. funny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's actually like kind of a funny story. And it's, you know, I was over identified with being that person. I look back and I'm like, what a fucking joke. Like, that, was, <laughs> that is not an identity. <laughs> oh, okay. Tarzan, I have one last question for you that I ask all of my guests now. And what, what was a time when you took imperfect action? And it can be in your personal life. It can be in your business. I'd love to know what was the time you took that imperfect action and what happened as a result? 
Mm, okay, I'm going to need a minute to think about this. And I know I know all about your solo canoe trips and all of that. So we can always pull on that one if we Oh, so to. don't, don't. Oh, I could pull on that. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Imperfect action. And what was the result? Okay. Well, so a really important part of my recovery has been learning how to camp. And I had this boyfriend who was like really into camping and canoeing. And I just like desperately wanted him to teach me how to camp. But the relationship was really tumultuous. And I figured out at a certain point that he was never going to teach me how to camp. And if I wanted to learn how to camp, I had to freaking teach myself. Um, so I um, actually took an online course for $20. I bought this program. Uh, yeah, I I started with a podcast, actually. Yeah. I started with the podcast and the podcast guest said, I have this $20 course on Udemy. And I was like, okay. And I watched all these classes about backcountry camping and like scrounged up like equipment from friends. And um, I rented a canoe <laughs> and like I, I watched this. like TikTok videos about like how to tie knots. Like, I literally do not, did not know anything. Like, I don't, you know, even like how to pitch a tent. I had to like pitch it in my yard and like make sure I could do it. And um, I have discovered something that's actually been like a really important part of my healing, which is that I freaking love camping. Like, I had no idea. And I'm having like a love affair with camping. Like, I can't even believe I love it so much. And I didn't even discover this about myself until 38 years old. And, you know, I do all kinds of dumb things. And I've in in some ways, I'm I'm lucky that I haven't gotten myself in trouble. But, you know, I just learned the basics of survival. I was like, okay, how do I not get eaten by bears? Um, how do I not like freeze? How do I not starve? And then I'm okay. Like I as long as I can stay alive, I know that I'm okay. And that felt really good. It's been a it, it really, really wonderful, empowering thing for me at this difficult stage of life. I think so. I, I can relate to that as well. Like I, um, I love solo camping and solo hikes, like long. I'll do like a 14 day hike. No problem by myself. I love it. Obviously, Australia, there's, there, there aren't as many things that can go wrong here. Like, you know, other than maybe running out of water. You're not going to get eaten by a bear. You're not going to get eaten by a shark. Like the sharks are yeah. hanging out in the outback. Like there's not really that right. much. But there are crocodiles and snakes, right? Crocodiles yeah, and snakes. there's snakes. But like, you know, like basic first aid and then you can activate your emergency yeah. beacon and you're fine. Like you, you generally you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and crocodiles, not where I'm going. No, I'm deadly. Like I'm so afraid of them, but it is such an empowering thing. And I think also it's a really great way to to really detach from everything else. It's like, wow, like if everything else were to go belly up, if my business were to run out of money, if I had to sell my house and have literally nothing, just me and my tent and my dehydrated meals, I'd be okay. And it's kind of a cool feeling and it's yeah. so empowering. Like I did this, I can do this. Um, so I love, I love that you've discovered that as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. I, I, I think there's a really important parallel there too about like when we over identify with our businesses, it's really scary because you have to worry all the time. Like, what if I lose this? Like, 
will people still like me if I don't have this money or whatever? Um, and, you know, knowing that, like, it's been really, it's helped me a lot in my life, given me a lot of confidence to know that, like, I'm not my business. And I actually don't feel embarrassment. I don't feel shame. Like, I don't feel like less of a person. Um, in fact, I feel even prouder and stronger because I'm like, I am not my revenue. Yes. Oh, that is such a powerful note to end this interview on. Tarzan, where can our listeners find you? The, the, the little bits on the world, well, the, the online, online world where yeah. you're out these days. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I hang out the most. This has nothing to do with business, but yeah. right now I'm really excited about my Substack and I'm writing a lot of stories about cult recovery. Um, so that's what I like doing the most right now. My website, tarzanke.com, I think could be interesting to look at, you know, just to compare like who you hear on this podcast and what you see on that website. Yeah. It's going to come down soon. I think I'll probably replace it with like an open letter. Um, but definitely the best place to be in touch with me is on my email list, my business email list, which you can get at on tarzanke.com slash join. Um, and then, you know, that's where like, if you hit reply, I read, I, I don't reply to every email. I just can't, but I do read them all. And that's where my latest work and writing about business happens. And Instagram, like, forget it. I, I, I might just leave Instagram. I don't know. I, I've, I don't think I want to do that or have the bandwidth for it. So if you see my Instagram, that's also like some ancient version of Tarzan. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And like your emails are fantastic. I genuinely, I love reading them. So listeners, if you are not on Tarzan's email list, make sure you get on that because it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Tarzan. This has been Thank probably you. one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Like, I don't think I've ever had a guest who has shared so honestly, so vulnerably about things that we just don't want to talk about in business. So I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is it for today's episode. If you haven't already hit subscribe, make sure you hit the plus button in Apple Podcasts or the follow button in Spotify and you'll get each new episode straight to your podcast app every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.